Uh, well, friends, I, I wonder whether you saw the meteor shower this week. Hands up if you saw the meteor shower this week. Uh, there's at least one person. Um, it happened on Wednesday night. Uh, at the time, I was standing in front of my house uh, with my wife, and uh, Monique was there uh, around at our house at the same time. And uh, suddenly we saw these spectacular flashes of light, uh, one after the other, uh, uh, in the blackness of the night sky, or with the background of the blackness of the night sky. Uh, I only learned later that they were uh, actually meteorites that were crashing uh, into the Earth's atmosphere and, and burning up uh, as, as they headed to the Earth. Uh, now, we're looking at the book of Exodus this morning, and uh, if you remember from last week, uh, God made himself known to Moses uh, through the burning bush, didn't he? And uh, if you remember, he promised to make himself known to his people by rescuing them out of their miserable slavery in Egypt. And so it comes as a bit of a surprise in today's passage, don't you think, that God delays this great rescue. And rather than things getting easier for God's people, did you notice that things actually get harder uh, in these two chapters? And you might think to yourself, well, what is going on here? God has just promised that he would deliver his people, and yet he doesn't simply turn up and do it immediately. There seems to be a delay. Uh, Well, I want to suggest that just like the meteor shower, where the light show became all the more spectacular because it was done uh, with the background of the night sky, uh, what God is doing here is he's painting the backdrop of the spectacular thing that he is about to do uh, in the Exodus. And so in today's passage, we see that backdrop, don't we? Uh, We see the blackness of evil as Pharaoh causes great distress to God's people. And we see the weakness of the people of Israel themselves as they are helpless to do anything about their situation. And it's in this context... It's uh, within uh, this context of uh, this dark backdrop that we will see God making himself known spectacularly uh, in the weeks ahead as we see the great Exodus event. You can see that this is the reason for the delay in what what God says to Moses in chapter 6, verse 2. So if you have, have a look at your Bibles there, Uh, Look at what uh, God says to Moses in chapter 6, verse 2. It says there, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Now, I don't know whether you noticed, but uh, this is a little bit strange. For if you read the book of Genesis, where we meet uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, you will see that God is referred to as the Lord again and again through the book of Genesis. Uh, He's referred to the Lord in capital letters, which we saw is the name Yahweh, the personal name of God. And yet here, it seems to suggest that God had not made himself known Uh, to the forefathers in Genesis but by that name, but by the name God Almighty. 
uh, what is going on here? Well, uh, I think one possibility is that God did not make himself known uh, it, uh, to the forefathers as the Lord, but uh, it's actually the author of the Pentateuch, uh, which is the, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, who reads that name back uh, into those books uh, as he narrates prior events. Uh, it's a bit like if somebody wrote a biography of um, Muhammad Ali, uh, the great boxer. Uh, it would be perfectly reasonable for the biographer to refer to the boxer in his childhood as Ali, wouldn't it? Even though, does anyone know what Muhammad Ali's name was before he became Ali? Cassius Clay. Thank you. Um, I think Ian has actually met Muhammad Ali, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, you can speak to him about that later. However, I, I think the other possibility is the one that I prefer, and it is that God has always made, made himself known as the Lord in Genesis. But what he is saying here is that you will soon know precisely what that name means by the things that I'm about to do in the Exodus. Does that make sense? He's always uh, been revealed as the Lord, but what he's saying is uh, you will soon see the, the, the full significance of that name in what I'm about to do. Uh, I'm going to make myself known in a spectacular and unprecedented way. Uh, you can see this again a little bit later on. Uh, if you flip forward with me to chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, have, just flip forward in your Bibles to chapter 9, verse 15. And uh, have a listen to what God says to Pharaoh there. Chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, he says, <clears throat> For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people. He's speaking to Pharaoh. For now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, God delays the final outcome because he wants to make himself known in a spectacular fashion, not only to Israel, uh, not even uh, only to Egypt, but here to the whole world. Well, uh, if we turn back to chapter 5, um, we, can pick up, uh, we can pick up where we left off last week. And you can see there uh, Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh to ask him, to release Israel from slavery. However, the problem is that Pharaoh is somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And so uh, you can see that, that uh, see it there in chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Uh, you see, Moses and Aaron must have been feeling quite confident uh, in the beginning. Uh, if you remember uh, from last week, they were given some powerful signs. Uh, the staff that turned into a snake, 
the hand that put on leprosy uh, on and off like a glove, the water that turns into blood. And they've just managed to convince uh, the elders of Israel, if you remember, that God was on their side. And so here they go to, the, to Pharaoh to demand from Pharaoh the release of Israel. But it's evident here, isn't it, that Pharaoh is someone who does not know the Lord. And when you are ignorant of the Lord, then you don't do what he says. Uh, if you are ignorant of the Lord, then you effectively become God in your own eyes and you simply do what you want to do. In fact, Pharaoh would have been considered as a god in Egypt, as the ruler of the most powerful nation on earth. And so he uh, goes even further and makes life considerably worse for the people of, uh, for God's people, the people of Israel, by increasing the harshness of their slavery. Uh, you can see it there in verse four. But the king of Israel, uh, but the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron. Why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens? The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it, and pay no regard to lying words. They think that God is lying when he says that he is going to rescue. Uh, do you see what he's saying here, though? He's saying that, if those Israelites have time to go on a holiday in the wilderness, then it's surely because they're not working hard enough. And so I'm going to simply make their work harder. Uh, straw was, was a binding agent. If you didn't have straw, the, the bricks wouldn't hold together. Uh, and so here, Pharaoh tells the people of Israel that because they're not working hard enough, he's not going to supply the straw. Uh, you know, you need to go and find your own straw, but you need to make the same number of bricks as before. Uh, it's as though Pharaoh is picking a fight with God here, isn't it? Now God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let your people go. In fact, I'm going to make them work even harder. But friends, you've got to be careful who you pick a fight with, isn't it? I mean, Pharaoh picks a fight with God, but he does it out of ignorance. He doesn't know who this God actually is. And as we will see, it is a catastrophic decision. Uh, I have a friend who was taking out some cash from an ATM machine one day. Uh, she was just minding her own business when uh, a big beefy guy uh, came up uh, be behind her and uh, uh, tried to grab her and take the money that she had just taken out. Uh, what this guy didn't know is that my friend was the daughter of a grand Taekwondo master, and uh, she herself was a third dan black belt. Uh, perhaps if he had known who she really was, 
uh, he would have thought twice before picking a fight with her. For it didn't take long for him to be on the ground, writhing around in a great deal of pain. Uh, you see, it's never a good idea to pick a fight with God without finding out who he actually is, isn't it? So many people do not know God and so live as God, trying to run their life our own, uh, their, their own way in complete ignorance and disregard for the things that God says. Do you know the Lord? What is, that? what is your attitude and my attitude to the things that God says in his word? And so uh, we've seen that Pharaoh does not know the Lord. And yet the bigger um, surprise, I think, in our passage this morning is not that Pharaoh doesn't know the Lord. Um, you kind of expect Pharaoh not to know the Lord, don't you? Um, for if you remember last week, God himself has predicted that Pharaoh wouldn't let the people of Israel go that easily in chapter 3, verse 18. And yet the bigger surprise in this passage is that it is God's very own people who don't seem to know him. And you can see uh, that here, that uh, in that when things get harder for the people of God, rather than easier, it becomes quite apparent that they themselves forget about God. They don't know him. Uh, you can see it in the way the foremen of the people of Israel begin complaining and grumbling to Moses and Aaron, who are their leaders. And so in chapter 5, verse 20, chapter 5, verse 20, it says, They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them, as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Uh, later on, we're told that due to their harsh slavery and the bitterness of their lives, the people of Israel lost heart and refused to listen to God's word through Moses. Um, you can see it there uh, if you just flip forward to chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. However, it's not just the people of Israel who don't seem to know God in, in these uh, chapters. It's also Moses who begins grumbling and complaining to God. You know, this is the same Moses who experienced the burning bush. This is the same Moses who was given powerful signs. This is the same Moses who had God speaking to him personally, revealing himself to him. And yet, listen to him grumbling to God and blaming him in uh, chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, chapter 5, verse 22. When Mo uh, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to these people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to these people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Uh, on my bookshelf, I have a book that I bought uh, simply for the cover. Uh, it's called Ten Dumb Things That Smart Christians Believe. Uh, it it kind of grabbed my attention, so I bought it. Uh, 
one of these things is the belief that if I become a Christian person, then God will somehow bring me good luck in my life. Now, things will just turn out well for me in this life. Now, we may never say that we believe this out aloud, but I wonder whether deep inside many Christians actually believe this to be true. I've certainly uh, met uh, quite a number of people who have given up in their Christian lives because life has become so difficult for them and they stop listening to God. And I want to say that there is a challenge there for us, isn't there? For I think there are striking similarities between the situation of Israel and our own situation as God's people. I mean, we are also people who have amazing promises from God. And yet, as Christian people, we often find that life gets harder and harder rather than easier and easier. Now, is that true for you? It, it gets harder as we wait for that salvation to come. Uh, perhaps you are here and you're facing opposition for your faith at the moment, and uh, life is incredibly difficult for you. Or perhaps you're finding the Christian life uh, just in increasingly challenging. I mean, all your friends seem to be living a life of ease, and yet Jesus keeps on making more and more demands on your life. Or perhaps your life hasn't turned out the way that you had hoped for, or it hasn't turned out the way that you have wanted for yourselves. Perhaps you want to get married, and it hasn't happened yet for you. Perhaps you are married, but finding it a real struggle as you keep finding yourself having deep conflicts with your spouse. Perhaps you are desperately trying, uh, desperately struggling to raise your children. Uh, perhaps teenage children. How do you and I respond when life gets harder rather than easier as God's people? Do we simply respond like Israel, who complain to God and complain to others and stop listening to God altogether in our lives? Or is knowing God at the top of our list because we know that even through the difficulties, our greatest need is to know God and his salvation. You know, it's easy to be enthusiastic about God when things are going well. But what are we like when things get harder in our lives? Suffering and difficulties will expose our hearts and show us whether we simply love God and are in it for the good times, or whether we love God himself as the giver of all good to us, and we want to know him. And so, uh, Pharaoh does not know God. Uh, Israel here don't seem to know God. But what God goes on to say is that he will make himself known spectacularly by what he is about to do next. Uh, listen to what God says to Moses in chapter 6, verse 2, 
which uh, I think is at the heart of today's passage. God um, is, is about to make himself known because he says again and again, I am the Lord and I am going to make myself known to you. Uh, chapter 6, verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Uh, we've already seen the idea, haven't we, that what is taking place in today's passage is the great backdrop to God making himself known in a spectacular way. Uh, it's as the evil of Pharaoh reaches great heights, and uh, it's as the people of God are at their weakest that God will make himself known. But what is it that Israel will come to know about God in the Exodus that God says is surely to come? What is it that Israel will come to know about him? Well, I think we can see at least three things here in God's speech. Uh, firstly, uh, in verse 4, Israel will know that God is a promise-keeping God. He remembers his covenant, as we saw in our kids' talk, and he acts upon it. Uh, secondly, in verse 6, Israel will know that God is victorious. That he is going to be victorious over his enemies in the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And finally, in verse 6 again, Israel will know that God is a God who redeems. In other words, he will purchase Israel out of slavery in Egypt so that he can be their God and they can be his people who now serve not Pharaoh, but the God who owns them. Now, Israel in our passage will know this God in the future, as God powerfully keeps his promises to them, uh, as we will see in following weeks. However, for us, we look back at the Exodus, don't we? And we see that God did indeed keep his promise to his people. But we also look back at our own Exodus event, which happened at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is here that we come to know God in all his glory. For it is at the cross that we know God as the one who keeps his promises to us. In Christ, all God's promises of salvation find their yes and amen. It is at the cross that we know God as the one who is victorious over our enemies. Not over Pharaoh, 
but over our greatest enemies, the sin that easily enslaves us, the death that so frightens us, and the devil who keeps on accusing us. Jesus is victorious over all. And it is at the cross that we know God is the one who loved us and redeemed us, who purchased us for himself by the very precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we will not live in slavery to other things, but that we will live as slaves to a brand new master, a good and gracious master in our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, I don't know what life is like for every one of you at the moment. Uh, I imagine that for some of us, life is very difficult indeed. Uh, Perhaps you are finding that life is harder as somebody who follows Jesus rather than easier. But if that is you, what God is saying to you and me this morning is to lift our eyes from our circumstances and to lift them to the cross and to know there at the cross that we have a God who keeps his promises to us. There at the cross we have one who has defeated our greatest enemies. And there at the cross we have one who has redeemed us for himself so that we might live not for ourselves, enslaved to ourselves and for our sinful desires, but so that we might uh, live to serve the Lord Jesus Christ instead. But there is one other question I want to ask you this morning, and that is, why is God delaying our salvation? Why is God delaying the promise of our salvation to come? I mean, why doesn't God just send Jesus to return? Why doesn't he call time on this world and take us from this life of suffering and difficulty so that we might dwell secure in his eternal kingdom? Uh, Well, turn with me to uh, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8, if you have your Bibles. Uh, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. It's towards the back of the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. The Apostle Peter writes in verse 8, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be dissolved. You see, friends, the reason why God is delaying the end is because he wants the world to know him. Such is the grace and mercy of our God that he is now delaying the coming of the end because he does not want people to perish for their sins, 
but he wants people to turn back to him in repentance and faith. He wants the whole world to know him and to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And so if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus, well, you need to understand why God is delaying the end. He is delaying it so that you might know Jesus. He wants you to turn to him and to trust in his work of salvation for you so that you might be forgiven and so that you might be redeemed to live a life not for yourself, but serving the true and living God. Now, will you do that this morning? But if you are here and you do know Jesus, then you and I also need to understand why God is delaying the end. He is delaying the end so that more and more people will come to know the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. And so if that is the reason for God's delay, then how are you and I to live our lives? Well, if the big picture of our lives is about anything other than to serve Jesus and to make him known in this world, then we have misunderstood what God wants for our lives. And we need to repent. Perhaps we need to make some changes in our lives to make this our great aim. For God's desire is for the name of Jesus to be known throughout the whole world. And so is that your desire? Is that my desire as well? Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning and we thank you especially for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in him we can know that you are a God who is faithful to your promises, that you are a God who is powerful to defeat our greatest enemies, and that you are a God who has graciously freed us to live as your people, no longer serving ourselves, but with the great privilege of serving you. Father, we pray that especially during times of trial or suffering or difficulty in our lives, that you would help us to lift our eyes to see Jesus. Uh, We pray for our brothers and sisters in this congregation who may be going through uh, such difficulties and trials at present, that you would help them to know you and to know the comfort of the gospel so that they might put their hope in you during these times. And Father, even as we experience the trials and difficulties of this life, uh, we thank you that you are delaying the return of your Son out of a desire to see more and more people come to know the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We thank you for your patience and your mercy, and we pray that you would help us to align ourselves with your great purposes in this world to make the name of your Son known throughout all the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.